Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the firehouse. Uh, if, you guys, if you're new with us or visiting, we just uh, thank you for joining us this morning. I encourage you to relax and enjoy and uh, hope you have a good time here. We hope you come back. Um, before I get started here, I do have a, a special introduction. There's a, a number of visitors here, but there's, there's one who's near and dear to me as well. I've got my youngest brother, Drew, visiting here. So if you guys get a chance, get to come meet him. So. For, for those of you who are the oldest siblings in your family, there's you know there's certain rules that you just understand to be in place, certain laws of life, like you should never get taller than your oldest brother, um, which I got another brother that broke that one, but you're also not necessarily supposed to get stronger than your older brother too, so he's, uh, this guy's got some strength on him as well. New Mexico State Aggie also is with the coaching, uh, coaching with the football team down there, so we unfortunately got to watch them lose to Michigan State in the March Madness here, but uh, we, we won't hold it against them, uh, on Michigan State. But anyways, uh, go ahead and get started here. Let's see, um, a couple things. Um, one, just to let you know, we, we, have been, we added to our technology here at the firehouse. If you didn't think we were advanced enough uh, as, as it is, um, we have a new device here that's uh, some sort of timer mechanism here that's to help the person standing up here to see how much time they have gone and how, how soon they should stop and things like that. So this, is, uh, this will hopefully help us. I'm going to push the button here and so we can keep track of it. Sometimes part of the problem is we forget to turn these things on. So, um, but anyways, we'll see how that goes. I'm going to keep an eye on the time here and we're going to try to keep it under two hours this morning. So hopefully uh, to go over there's an alarm that's going to go off here. So but anyways, no, I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we're going to look at a, a passage together here. And actually, if you guys would um, uh, open your Bibles with me, if you have a house Bible under your chair or near your chair, we'll just turn to the, the passage we're going to look at. And it is, uh, it's on page nine, uh, 996, if you have a house Bible, 996. So, um, if you were with us the last couple of weeks, uh, we looked, we did a series just called uh, Supernatural Living, and we looked at different facets of just um, the life that Jesus promised, the abundant life, which really leads to a supernatural, spirit-filled life, and so... Uh, we spent several weeks on that, and then the next two weeks, next week, if you don't know, is Palm Sunday, and so we're going to be doing a, a reading of the passage related to Palm Sunday next week, and the following Sunday is Easter Sunday, and so we'll have an Easter Sunday service as well, so I encourage you to invite your family or friends to join you for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. But we had to figure out a transition between supernatural series, the supernatural life, and Easter stuff, and so I found this one here, this is a going to make the most. It starts down in verse 14, and it's a passage is entitled, John the Baptist Beheaded. So um, we are going to try to find the most encouraging thoughts we can from this passage here, and uh, I think, um, you know, I think there's some things in it that we could all probably profit from this morning, but we'll go ahead and uh, pray, and then we'll read that, and just draw out several lessons that we can learn from that story that we can apply to our lives today, this week, um, uh, you know, every day here. So let's just go ahead, if you guys will, let's just bow our heads and pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you that you graciously chose to give life to each one of us today, Lord. And um, we just ask that 
you would uh, help us to hear from you this morning. I pray our hearts would be soft to you. That if you speak to us something, uh, that we would be sensitive, that we would respond, that we would do what you want us to do in response to what we hear today. Lord, I pray that you would just enable me to speak your words. Lord, I don't want to share my thoughts, my ideas. I just want to share what you've given us through your word. And I just ask you, um, through your Holy Spirit, you would help me to communicate um, the things that you want. And again, I pray each one of us would have ears to hear and put things into action that you speak to us. And I do pray that each one of us would leave this building more encouraged than when we showed up this morning and, um, and also leave just with a heart to please you more than ever. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and read this passage together here. And then we'll look at a few, um, a few points on it. Um, Two things just to think about um, as, as we read it are, one, I don't know about you, if you've ever read the Bible before, sometimes you can become familiar with certain passages. You kind of go, oh, here comes that story again, you know, whether it's Easter or things related to Christmas or different things. But um, the other day when I was reading, I kind of had a, a crusty heart and I was sitting down to read and I'm kind of like, John the Baptist getting beheaded. I know this story. Let's find something else, something you know more cool, something Jesus did. And but I, I was kind of just convicted of having a, a crusty heart, a familiar heart with this passage, and I just prayed that God would teach me some things freshly. And so I feel like He really did. And those are the things I want to pass on to you today. And, and I hope that maybe they will um, be things that encourage you or challenge you or, or whatever you need um, today. But. And also another thing to think about is that John the Baptist from birth, uh, we, we just did this series about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was one that all the things that we talked about that come with being filled with the Spirit and step with God's Spirit, a life yielded to God's will and God's Spirit, John the Baptist lived that out. It said he was filled with the Spirit even from birth. And so I think he's a great example to us all as well for what we looked at the last couple weeks here. So, um, But anyways, we'll go ahead and read this together. And then we have just four lessons we're going to look at. And we're also this morning going to spend a little time just to break bread together, to uh, take communion together and remember some of the things that Christ has done for us. So uh, let's start verse 14 here. And it's chapter 6. But King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, He is Elijah. And still others claimed, He is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given the orders to have John arrested, and had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod still feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. He promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. 
At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. So, wow, that's just an interesting story. Every time I read it, I mean, one of the things, I'm just kind of baffled at how this whole thing could have happened. Like, what sort of people would, like, have actually lived this out? It, was, it just seemed like there's so many wrong things, and it's wrong on multiple different levels, you know. Um, but we're going to try to see some things that we can learn from, uh, ways to learn from some of the errors they made and try to avoid them ourselves. Maybe even look at some of the things that John the Baptist did uh, and try to follow his example here. So, um, for starters, uh, first thing we're going to look at, the first point we're going to talk about is is don't nurse a grudge. Um, back here in verse... Um, the verse we have there, verse 19. It just says, So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to. And we're just... uh, The idea of nursing a grudge. You know, I don't know how many of you have maybe had a little grudge before against someone. Maybe a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of unforgiveness, um, some sort of grudge. At first it seems kind of simple. You know, what's the big deal about a grudge? Everybody has a grudge, right? Um, You know, that's an okay thing. Christians can have grudges too, just as long as you do it in a Christ-like manner. It's okay to have a grudge, right? But um, but there's a a real error here that happened. You know, she she had a grudge and, and she nursed this grudge and eventually it it played out that she did kill John the Baptist. And, you know, at first, I, I think of this passage, I, I written, wrote a devotional on this one, just this idea that Herodias nursed a, a grudge and it can eventually cause damage. Um, it's kind of... Uh, Kind of like the idea I think about an old sci- science fiction sort of movie, you know. Um, it's the classic science fiction plot, I think. You go, you're in space, some space creatures destroying your colony, you kill all the space creatures, but there's a, a mad scientist in the bunch that you destroy them all except for one of the little baby ones, you know. And uh, the scientist thinks, for whatever reason, it would be better to keep this little alien creature alive, take it back home, and, you know, study it to, to pioneer the frontiers of science and um, anyone else who would have known about it would have like killed the critter on the spot but the scientist takes it back to his lab and he keeps it alive and you know maybe he thinks it's in a dormant state or it's just a cute little baby um, you know I think it'd be funny to think of a little alien called a grudge you know, he takes this little grudge home and he's got it in the lab but what always happens in those movies the little critter grows or it goes from dormant state to all of a sudden it's the classic scene the eyes pop open and you're like oh no and this thing grows and the next thing you know it's like wreaking havoc throughout the laboratory it finds the mad scientist himself and eats him and destroys him and it just it just wreaks havoc on everything and eventually you know someone comes along like Sigourney Weaver or something and it blows it to blows it to um, smithereens you know and, but that's the the idea that I get in general about a grow 
does. It's kind of like this. It seems like it's harmless, and there's some rational reasons why you should keep it around, why you don't want to put it to death. And I think we do the same thing when it comes to grudges in our life, and we think they could be harmless, and we just keep them alive. But really what will happen, there's a verse that I was also reminded of that I think it relates to grudges as well. It says this, See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, there's a thing, a grudge is just sometimes a form of bitterness or unforgiveness or something. And we could just let it lie there, dormant, maybe just kind of keeping it safe. We don't want to get rid of it. Um, but someday it, it awakens and it, it causes trouble. It wreaks havoc. And in that analogy, I think it's kind of funny. We think about sci-fi. It's kind of funny. But in real life, when this happens, it's not very funny. You know, sometimes there's uh, people that they get really hurt and things like that. I remember a situation situation one time of uh, two men in a church that I was part of at one point and one of the men began nursing a grudge against another man and the way it manifests itself is that he began keeping a notebook with records of things that he thought this other person was sinning in and he just kind of added to his journal his notebook the sins of this other man and he just kind of kept it growing it was kind of like building a case it was kind of like a grudge that was growing and in the end when that thing just um, became alive that grudge caused many people to uh, be hurt and many unkind slanderous things were said because this man had nursed a grudge and it made a huge huge mess all because he had had let something He'd held on to something and it grew and it grew. And so we want to not, you know, we can't nurse a grudge. If you do that, if you've got something in your heart, you've got to let it go because someday it will come back to bite you and it will come back to cause trouble on others. And two thoughts related to you. Don't nurse a grudge. I think if I add anything to it, I'd say kill a grudge. If you if you got a little grudge floating around, kill it. Zap it. Do whatever is necessary. Two ways to kill a grudge I just want to give you here uh, to finish this point are this two real ways to do it. One, I was just reading um, this morning in my devotion time and I, I thought it was funny. It came across a verse that related to one of these little critters, one of these little grudges. Um, and it says this, um, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in Heaven will forgive your sins too. But one of the ways to kill a grudge is to grant forgiveness related to that grudge. Sometimes a grudge can be there because we just have some, someone, some person, we feel like we have the right to not forgive them. Maybe they haven't sought forgiveness. Maybe we don't feel like they're worthy of forgiveness. But one of the reasons we keep a grudge alive is because of unforgiveness. And I know, there, um, I know a story of... Uh, that's a true story of, of two two little boys that were um, in elementary school, and they were they were playing together. And uh, one of them was this Hispanic boy, another one was just a, a little Caucasian boy. And they were off playing, and uh, they decided they got the idea they should urinate in a Mountain Dew plastic bottle. And the idea was urinate in it and try to get the kid brother of one of the guys, the Spanish-speaking guy, to to get his little brother to drink from it. And it seemed you know harm at the time and to them and they uh, so they went and in Spanish the one guy tries to get his little brother to drink it and he kind of knows what's up and so he he uh, he doesn't and he goes and he tells his mom the two kids go home that little kid probably gets in trouble with his his parents um, but that kid's mom this little Spanish speaking guy his mom wrote a note and the kid took it to the other kid's house 
and he shows up at the door and he gave the note to that kid's mom. And, and that kid's mom went berserk. She went irate. She heard, you know, who knows what that note even said, but she knew somehow her, her kid was involved in this little altercation. And so she just unleashed her anger on her little elementary school age boy, and she began to beat him with a belt. She began to hit him. And she wouldn't stop. There'd be a pause, and then she'd continue to hit him again. And I just remember when that was happening to me that I, I just curled up in a little ball in just a fetal position and I was just uh, I wanted it to stop I wanted it to stop I knew I had done wrong but I just didn't know when this would stop and it was a memory that was emblazoned into my heart and as a child I took that with me and eventually when I was older when I was 24 years old I became a Christian and I realized that the message of the Christian faith is that Jesus died for all my sins and therefore because he's forgiven me for everything I've done I must forgive others and I knew that in my heart I had this memory of this wrong that was done to me and I knew I had to go back and and get rid of that grudge that bitterness that unforgiveness and and God helped me to understand that you know um, that was that was a wrong thing that happened but I had done many things wrong but I went and I just approached my mother and I shared that story with her I didn't even know if she remembered it or not I knew I did and I just laid it out there and I said Mom, you did that to me, but I want to let you know I forgive you. I forgive you for that. And I was able to pass on that forgiveness that I received to her and any potential that that could have come back to haunt me or the way I relate to my kids or things like that. God killed that grudge and I was able to pass on that forgiveness. And if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian and you've received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has offered to you, you cannot Keep that to yourself. You must pass that on to others that have hurt you and done things wrong to you. You've got to pass that on or it will come back to bite you. And this, as this verse that I read, that it will cause a bitter root that will grow up and defile many if you do not deal with it. I encourage you to deal with that. One way to kill a grudge is through forgiveness. You know, another way, we look at this situation, situation with Herodias and... It wasn't a forgiveness issue. John the Baptist had done nothing wrong. She, she had a grudge because he was speaking truth into her world and she hated it. And she wanted to kill him. You know, when you feel convicted about something, there are certain things you can do. One is that you could get crazy and repent and stop doing the things that you feel guilty or convicted about. Another thing you can do, you can get out of the situation altogether and find a new environment where people might not make you feel guilty for what they believe. Or you can do like Herodias did. Take out those who are making you feel convicted. And um, But we know that God has called us to, one, we, we need to grant forgiveness. If you're a Christian, you must grant forgiveness because the, the Scriptures are very clear. Anyone who really understands God's forgiveness that's shown through Christ, you must pass that on. And if you don't pass it on, a number of times, even that verse I read, it says... Um, so that your Father in Heaven will forgive your sins too. If you think you have forgiveness and you're not passing it on, you've got to go back to the fact of whether or not you have forgiveness, true forgiveness, um, if you've received it, because Jesus says you will pass it on. And so I'm going to make sure every one of you don't nurse the grudge. Whether it's the unforgiveness thing, you pass on that forgiveness. Today we're going to break bread. We're going to remember Christ's forgiveness for us. I encourage you, there might be some things you let go when you remember what Christ has done for you. And if, and in some cases, maybe you're just like Herodias. You're just feeling guilty because you know something's wrong. Your conscience tells you that. God's Word says that. And people who are trying to live by God's Word and it makes you feel convicted or guilty, 
You want to kill that grudge, repent, change your mind about that sin, and, and get rid of it, and, um, and then get on with living to please God here. So that's the, that's the first one. Really, that's the, uh, just one of the, the hearts of what I want to share. It ties back into when we'll break bread. We're going to breeze through these next couple points here together. Um, the next one is um, don't honor... Don't honor that which dishonors God. Or, or you might even say, don't be pleased with something that displeases God. You know, I was looking at this story trying to figure out where did the story about John the Baptist go wrong? Where did it turn the corner into some serious trouble? And you know, one of the things that came to mind, I mean, in the first place, the fact that Herod had him put in prison, it seems to relate to the fact that John the Baptist was saying, hey, um, you, you should not be in this relationship. The, the history behind the story is that... Um, Herodias, she was married to King Herod's brother. And she left King Herod's brother to be with King Herod. And not only that, she said, Hey, I'll come to be with you. I'll come to live as your wife only if you get rid of your wife. And so he was married. He got rid of his wife. And she left her husband. And they were in this relationship together. And John the Baptist is going, Hey, that's wrong. That's sin. And... um, Herodias didn't want to hear about it and she wanted to kill John to get rid of that conviction that she was feeling and Herod was kind of a, he was trying to be on the fence you know he kind of liked and respected and revered a little bit of John the Baptist but at the same time he was feeling guilty and he was also trying to please his, his wife there or, or the woman he was living with and so he was kind of in this situation here but I think one of the places that went wrong after that was just that he has this birthday party and it goes on to say that when the daughter of Herodias came in and danced she pleased Herod and his guests and the king said to the girl ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you and the type of dancing that she did was not um, it was not ballet it was not like she showed up and she's doing like the swing dance by herself you know just kind of a, um, the type of dancing that she did was something that was very sensual very uh, seductive type dancing and um, the problem was that uh, it says that pleased King Herod and that pleased his guests and but I know that would not have pleased God that sensual sort of dancing that um, was going on there but he was pleased by it. He was pleased by it so much so that he told her, hey, up to half my kingdom, I'll give it to you. He not only was pleased by it, he sought to honor that. And the point being here, we have to watch for that. Don't honor things that dishonor God. Don't be pleased by something that displeased God. In this case, it was even a form of entertainment. Are you entertained by something that God is not entertained by? We have to watch for that. I was thinking through this and I was kind of going, you know, um, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to relate to this John the Baptist story. I don't know what's in it for me, but I started thinking about this whole thing of what am I pleased by? What am I entertained by? As I was reading this, having a devotion time on this passage, it came to mind that I had just the night before watched a movie that, um, you know, there are things in it that sometimes I've, I've tried to figure out, you know, when you watch a movie and you know there's bad things in it or, you know, we try to skip chapters or fast forward. But eventually you just get to a place where you go, Jesus would probably not sit down and watch this movie with me. And if he was with me, he would probably be grieved and just um, suffer through it because, well, he said he's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. And, and there were things in this movie, and I, I try to figure out how to tell someone, you know, is that a good movie or is that not? And I, I got to the point where I say, well, 
I don't know if I could say that's a good movie because, well, by the standard of the Bible, I wouldn't call it good. You know, sometimes I got to the point where I go, well, that was an entertaining movie. I can't say that it was good, but it was entertaining. But then I was just convicted by that thought going, uh, are there things entertaining to me that are not entertaining to my Savior, to the Holy Spirit who has residence in me? And I thought through this movie that I watched and I go, well, there was this and there was that and there was all different forms of like, you know, probably broke all the Ten Commandments in one little movie. And, um, you know, but we have to watch out for that. Are those things that you go, you know, sometimes we get to the point where we go, yeah, but that doesn't bother me. You know, that, that thing, there's, sometimes we have our things, we go, well, that bothers me. When I see that in a movie, I just get rid of it. But the other things, you know, it's like if there's a list of 100, 100 things that displease God, that grieve the Holy Spirit. And we go, well, those 10 things, they really bother me. And I just throw movies away that have that. The other 90 things, well, they don't bother me that much. And each one of us, the problem is each one of us has these things that bother us and don't bother us. And, um, but with the Holy Spirit, all of them are things that He hates. All of them are things that displease Him. We have to just remember, if you've really become to be a follower of Christ and His Holy Spirit is in your life and you're trying to give control, there's a ton of things that grieve the Holy Spirit that we might not be grieved by, that we need to maybe pray, God... Um, you know, I think if there's anything in my life that I'm pleased by that you're not, get rid of it from my life. God, if there's things that entertain me that don't entertain you, please help me get rid of it. And, and we have to watch out. One of the natural things is we have those things, you know, if we go, oh, I've got these ten pet peeves, sins that I really hate. And I hate them and I don't do anything related to them. And I think you should hate them because, you know, I see you do those and I don't. And, but the problem is we each pick and choose. And we think, oh, I'm doing really good in this area. These areas we choose. We think we're doing good and then we can point fingers at others. But the Holy Spirit says, you know, all of those things are things that I hate, that displease me, that grieve me. And we need to watch for going, you know, I don't like that. Do you guys watch those type of movies? Or My point is not that we're judging one another, but that you maybe judge yourself a little bit and kind of go, Holy Spirit, are there things that are in my life and you deal with yourself first and then you know then the rest of it will take care of itself you know um, I just think sometimes we can get into you know there's that quote I like that says that we hate our sin the most when we find it in the lives of others you know oh I can't believe you did that but we have something that's as big or bigger or even the same type of thing we just don't see it like that we need to look over our lives to make sure we're living lives that are pleasing. You know, a couple things. There's, there's one uh, uh, proverb that says this, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. God hates evil. Do you? God hates pride. Do you? Sometimes we can say, yeah, I know, I've got to deal with pride and stuff. It's kind of like it's this accepted companion of our lives. God says He hates it. He hates it in my life. He hates it in your life. Do you? Or do you kind of get along with it? It doesn't bother you. Um, You know, I think we just need to look over our lives, make sure there's things that don't open the door to bigger trouble. This was just one step. This thing that Herod had a a thing, you know, really it was a part of a plot. I don't know if you see this in the story, but Herodias wanted to kill John the Baptist. Herod was protecting John the Baptist. So Herodias, it says that the opportune time, she kind of thought up this elaborate thing. This birthday party, she had her daughter dance. Uh, I think she probably knew, you know, this is a weakness in Herod's life. So if this happens, you know what he's going to say? He's going to offer her whatever she wants. Well, then my daughter's, you know, she came back and, and she asked, what should I ask for? And, and she said, aha, the head of John the Baptist. It was part of a coordinated plot that hinged on the weakness of Herod. 
and a thing in his life that was displeasing to God. And we, we each have to watch out for that. I encourage you, just pray, God, is there anything in my life? As you read the Bible, look for things um, that might grieve God, that God might hate that you might be alright with. It should bother you if it bothers the Holy Spirit and pray that it would. You know, another thing to think about is just um, sometimes we can be thick-skinned with God. Our conscience, we can go, you know, I used to be convicted by that, but I hardened my heart enough times that eh, my heart's so leathery there you could touch it, I wouldn't even feel it. Is the Holy Spirit dealing with a leathery heart on you? Sometimes we're thick-skinned with God, but we get really thin-skinned with people around us, our roommates, other people in the church, maybe leaders. We get real thin-skinned. They do anything. It's like, oh, you offended me. But the Holy Spirit's going, hello, anybody here? Uh, That's offending me. And we need to turn that around. We need to get thick-skinned with our brothers and sisters in Christ, forgiving them, maybe not being offended so often. And we need to get really sensitive and contrite when the Holy Spirit says, you know, Oh, that hurts me. That grieves me. I'm stuck with you. I, I love you. I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life. But I grieve when you put me in those situations. We need to get a little more thin skin with the Holy Spirit. And deal with yourself first. You know, I think uh, D.L. Moody said it once, like, uh, you know, I've got the biggest problem. The, the person I find the most trouble with out of everyone is just myself. i got to deal with myself. And then we'll worry about the rest of the church or whatever. But you got to deal with yourself. And then you'll worry about your roommates or your leaders or your whatever, your small group. But each one of us, we have to engage with this here. Um, the next thing we need to look at here is... Um, we need to live to please God and not men. And, and there's two examples of this in this story from uh, uh, John the Baptist's death here. But one of them was um, Her- Herodias' daughter. She danced and she, she got offered this, you know, whatever she wanted up to half the kingdom. And she went and asked her mom, Mom, what should I do? And her mom said, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. You know, what sort of thing is that? You know, I think Herodias' daughter was probably like, are you serious? Like, someone's head on a platter is going to be... I get up to half the kingdom and you're telling me to take someone's head? And I think she was probably a little bit like, come on, Mom. Like, that, that's, that's not even old-fashioned. That's just, uh, that's just cruel. Um, but she did it. Why do you think she did it? seems like she wanted to please her mom. She wanted her mom's approval. Maybe she'd lived that way in life. She wanted to advance her status, her um, whatever it was, her name. And so she went with what her mom said, a head on the platter. You know, I, I almost wonder when they went and executed John the Baptist and they took his head off and they gave her his head on the platter. You know there was blood still coming out of his head, filling that platter. And I wonder when they said, here you go, Herodias' daughter. That's what you asked for. I wonder if she was like, oh my Gosh, what have I done? I don't think she was... But you know what? She wanted to please her mom. She wanted to please her mom even if it meant the murder of an innocent, holy, righteous man. Who are you living to please? You've got relationships you're living to please um, more than God. You need to make a choice who you're going to live to please. It's, it's either it really comes down to you're living to please God, you're living to please yourself, or you live to please others. And two of those will lead you down roads that will cause you to sin against God. Um, If you're living for yourself, Herodias was just thinking about her. She didn't want to be convicted anymore. She wanted a relationship with Herod. It was all about her. Her daughter was thinking, I want to please my mom. I've got to keep my mom happy, even if that means somebody dies. Who are you living to please? You know, in my own life, I, I saw this play out different times. You know, in relationships, I remember there was a time when I became a Christian, and... Uh, there was, uh, I was in, uh, I was 
through a relationship, I got my heart broken. This girl broke things off with me, and I eventually, through a whole series of events, I became a Christian. And I found Christ in that. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking maybe somehow God will help me reconcile this relationship with that girl. And so situations came up again where I we reconnected as friends, and I was thinking, okay, maybe this can go beyond that. But in the process, uh, uh, I had a friend at church, another girl who had just come to Christ, and she had a string of broken relationships, and she was starting to live uh, live to please God. And she said, you know, someone told me, they asked me the question, uh, is this relationship, is it God-centered or is it self-centered? And she said that really just helped her to turn the corner. And so I started looking at this relationship that I was trying to uh, rekindle or whatever, and I go, is this God-centered or self-centered? And it just became like black and white clear. It was like... She doesn't want anything to do with God. And when I bring it up, we usually argue and fight, especially if we talk about Jesus. And it was just a no-brainer. It's like, I want to live to please God. This relationship's done. And, and we broke it off, and um, I never looked back. And I didn't uh, date a woman or kiss a woman until I met my wife. And she was the first one I dated after that, and becoming a Christian. And, um, and God has really blessed our relationship a ton beyond what I thought relationships could be like. I just didn't realize how low I had had the bar. And, but I, I want to encourage you, are you living to please yourself in relationships or please God? Um, sometimes I remember even becoming a Christian, uh, I had this fear, you know, uh, King Herod had this fear of, he had his dinner guests there. He didn't want to look bad in front of his dinner guests. He just promised up to half the kingdom and all these guests were there. And if he said, oh, no, you know, I, I'm just not going to give you that, the head, you know, it's kind of like he made an oath. You know, he's like up to half my kingdom was kind of this oath that people would, you know, say things by. And and so he didn't want to be embarrassed, and he had to choose between his um, his word, or you know letting people down, or you know that was he was trying to decide what do I do here? I don't want to let these people down. But John the Baptist, he was a righteous guy. It's like he shouldn't be murdered, but he ended up choosing to please others. He chose the fear of man over the uh, the fear of God, and it and it led him to ultimately murder. John the Baptist. And so we just need to make sure we're not doing that. As, as a Christian, sometimes you're trying to decide if you want to come to Christ or not. I knew for me, there were some friends that were going to make fun of me. Becoming a Jesus for you. Oh, he had to look to Jesus. Has it gotten that bad, you know? Uh, my drinking buddies, I knew they were going to give me a hard time. And they did. I knew others would give me a hard time. But I got to the point where... I knew it was better to please God and to get right with God through Jesus Christ's forgiveness than it was to continue to live for myself. And I just want to ask you, who are you living to please? As John the Baptist was clear, he was living to please God, not men. The last point here, um, you know, I think it's one we just get from John the Baptist's life. Die uncompromised in your faithfulness to God. You know, uh, I just think it's interesting how it says that he, uh, he was a righteous and holy man. And then it goes on to say, you know, he was beheaded and, and his disciples came and laid his body in a tomb. John the Baptist lived a holy and righteous life and he went to the grave uncompromised. And men and women, we need to have that same heart, that heart to share God's truth, to live for God regardless of the consequences. You know, his, John the Baptist's whole thing while he got in prison and things like that was because he was speaking out against an immoral relationship. You know, God says marriage is to be honored. Sex before marriage is sin. It's called fornication. Sex outside of your marriage is called adultery. And sex with two of the same sex is called, the Bible calls it perversion. And all of those God calls as wrong and sin. 
and John the Baptist was imprisoned, you know what, 20 centuries ago because of that, and how do you think it's going in our culture? What do you think if you said things about this subject, are you going to, we're going to find it's going to be trouble again. I think uh, our culture has been eroding away morally, and uh, if we start making a stand on some of the things that John the Baptist did, you might find yourself in some trouble. You might find yourself in prison. You might find yourself martyred. And John the Baptist, he, he died uncompromised. It said that Herod would talk to him. You know, at different times, the, the idea was when you talk to someone in prison, you're hoping, and it even says this in Acts later, uh, one of the Herod's relatives, he would call Paul and talk to Paul, and he was hoping that Paul would say, Hey, look, just let me out of prison. I'll just let this whole thing go. I'm not going to mention the whole immorality thing anymore. Just let me out of prison. You know, if, if John the Baptist had softened his stance, I bet you Herod would have let him go because then Herodias wouldn't have been bugged about it anymore and then he wouldn't have had to do this whole thing. But, um, but John remained uncompromised in prison and eventually he was beheaded for it. But we need to be men and women who have that same uncompromising life to, to stay committed to God and to God's truth and to not uh, get fuzzy and wishy-washy on things when, when God doesn't. And, and we have to be prepared even for, for death. You know, we have to, if you are living uncompromised right now and if somehow Christ returned or something happened, we would go to heaven uncompromised. But if you find yourself on the fence or a little wishy-washy when Christ returns or if somehow your, your death comes suddenly that you expected, would you be found compromised? in your relationship with Christ and I would hope not but um, there was a story I just read a story about um, a guy that was a missionary headed to an island where it was known for a kind of a violent tribe there that uh, participated in cannibalism and so he's on the ship and they're taking him to the island to drop him off and as they're getting close the people on the ship are like they're just telling this missionary you can't go you can't go when you go they'll kill you there They'll kill you. Don't get off the boat. Don't. And, he, and uh, the missionary responded, I died before I boarded this ship. And we need to be men and women like that that are ready. We died to ourselves when you begin to follow Christ. And, you know, the details are left to be played out. Maybe Christ returns. Maybe we're martyred. Maybe we die in our sleep of old age. But the point is, we died to ourselves when we began to follow Christ. And I hope you all will catch John the Baptist's example in that. And so... Um, we're going to close this with, uh, we're just going to transition into a time of breaking bread together here just to remember what Christ has done for us. And I'm going to read a passage, if you would turn with me here to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's a classic passage on uh, remembering the Lord's Supper. And it's page 1136 in your house Bible. So let's read together verse 23 near the bottom of the page here. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. 
For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you, uh, many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. And so we're just going to take some time here to, to remember what Christ has done for us. And I just want to encourage you to think over a, a few of these points in your life um, and realize that Jesus said, you know, um, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And if you're a Christian, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, He's died for all your sins. And sometimes that frees you up to be a little more honest than you otherwise would. I know in my own life, when I started hearing God loved me, Jesus died for me, was willing to forgive me, I started going, you know what? If He's willing to forgive me and He still loves me, I could probably share these with those around me and um, to get help, to make amends where I can, and they won't judge me. And I just want you this morning to be honest. You know, maybe you've been nursing a grudge. Maybe it's time this morning to let go of that grudge as you remember what Christ has done for you. Maybe you've got things in your life that have been dishonoring, displeasing to God. Call them sin. Thank Christ for dying on the cross for you there. And, and remember that as we take the, the wine and the bread here. Um, maybe freshly commit yourself to offer yourself to God and to God. I do offer myself to live for you, a sacrifice holy and pleasing to you. And um, ask Him maybe for grace to live a life that's uncompromised for His glory. And we're just going to take a moment to just on your own, just maybe pray and share some of these things from your heart to God. And then as, you, as you're led to, we'll just go to the back and there's the, the bread there and you can dip it in the cup and take that and come back to your seats and we'll pray and be on our way. But just, I'll pray and then just take time to pray on your own and, and get up whenever you feel led to. And I just encourage you, if you feel like you can't forgive somebody, if you can't let go of that grudge, maybe this morning is not your morning to remember Christ's forgiveness. Maybe you shouldn't do that in an unworthy manner. It's talking about don't take that and celebrate all the forgiveness that Christ has for you if you are not passing it on to someone else. Maybe you should deal with that situation first. Or maybe this morning you go, I let that go. I forgive that person. Um, and, you know, there's a verse that says that uh, the blood of Jesus' His Son purifies us from all sin. And His blood cleanses you from all sin you've done. His blood can cleanse you from all sin that has been done to you. And let's celebrate that here this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do remember you this morning. We thank you that you died on the cross, that you took the beating that each one of us deserved. And you said, by your stripes we are healed. And you were crushed and you were pierced so that we would not have to be. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. And um, we just remember your forgiveness here. I pray you'd help each one of us to get real personal with you and your spirit and that you would help us to get rid of things that displease and dishonor you and don't entertain you. Um, And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to offer our lives to you. Help us to die to ourselves and live the rest of our lives for you. Lord, I pray that we would so strongly desire to please you that it would be said we are dying to please you, God. And I pray that you hear us this morning and we thank you um, just for what you did on the cross for us. And we remember you, Jesus, until you come again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
freshly authorized to use that stuff to live a life that's uncompromised. I'm mm. going to let my traumatized mm. with your spirit and your glory. Grant you this, man. again to close our time well Heavenly Father we just thank you for uh, this example you have to us all of, of the life of John the Baptist we thank you that he lived for your glory he lived to please you even when it's meant uh, losing his own life for that Lord I pray you'd help each one of us to be filled with your spirit even as he was Lord that we would live a life that's uncompromised Lord to please you God I pray it would be said of us uh, that we are righteous and holy Lord, he lived righteously and therefore he was able to preach about righteousness. God, help us each one to do the same. Lord, I pray we would, none of us would have areas in our lives that would not bother us, but that would bother you, Lord. I pray that we would just be vessels that are able to be filled with your Spirit and to live for your, and used for your glory. Lord, I pray that over the next several weeks as we look at Palm Sunday and um, Easter Sunday that we could just have a ton of joy and thankfulness in, in what you did for us. How you paved the way for our forgiveness and our relationship with you, our loving relationship with you for eternity. We just thank you and I pray the next couple of weeks would just be a time of, of joy and celebration and we just thank you again for um, what you've done for us. Pray that you'd help us to enjoy one another throughout the rest of the day and, and also live to please you today. We just pray these things together in the gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.
All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us this week, and uh, feel free to join us next week for Palm Sunday. Thanks again.